basically what happened was that my, my coach that I used to go to, who's now a really close friend of mine, he left to go open this new gym called Brick. I didn't know anything about it, but I just loved him. And he's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll get you in. I'll get you a good deal if you want to join. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. So the place opens up and uh, within a few months, they're like looking for coaches. And I'm like, well, I love this shit. Like I'd be willing to like start coaching if there's a way to do that. Kind of got into the program, started coaching. And then before I knew it, I was coaching classes and working on Wall Street. And so it was just like, I can't do both of these things. Like I'm literally like making up excuses so that I can get out of work early so I can go coach a coach like three classes. So anyway, I, I eventually I was like, maybe I could like make a, make a career change out of this. Like it's a very big difference, right? Especially like monetarily, but you know, I could coach, you know, do some other stuff on the side. And I, I was, I, since I'm Canadian at the time, I didn't have my green card. I, I needed a sponsorship. So they were able to sponsor me and I just was like, all right, this is it. And I kind of just jumped ship and, got into that full time life is going to give you challenges struggles it's going to force you to face your fears even though these may feel like your worst enemy in truth these are actually your greatest allies my name is lance Isios. welcome to the university of adversity classes in session about to learn a lesson in the game we embrace the pain take it and we make some change without scarcity i don't know where i'll be Welcome to the University of Adversity. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you guys are having a beautiful day. Get ready for an awesome conversation. My next guest is a former Wall Street investment banker and trader who walked away from what he once thought was a promising career to pursue a passion in health and fitness. He now runs a functional fitness gym called Brick in New York, Manhattan, where he is a coach and personal trainer. He also does freelance writing for Men's Health and other media outlets. He recently joined the Fit for Service Fellowship along with myself and is currently in the beginning stages of waking up for the first time in his life. And just reading this bio to you guys just gets me excited because this guy is such an awesome dude and you know him being part of the fit for service fellowship that i'm in me being able to feature him is is awesome because what i didn't know about him before we got on the show well i kind of did but not to the extent is that you know kind of the powerful story with his wall street living in new york and that kind of lifestyle and really kind of unpacking the craziness of that and him being able to work now in one of the best gyms in New York City is is pretty cool. And this guy is like one of the most legit, authentic, genuine dudes you'll meet. And he's also Canadian, so of course he is. <laughs> he's uh he's an awesome dude, and I'm super, super grateful for this conversation. We talk about some stuff we haven't talked about on here, so you don't want to miss this episode. Listen to it right till the end, you guys. And as always. If you got value from it, leave us a review, share share it on your story, share it with a friend, whatever you can do. And it's always free. Subscribe on Apple so you don't miss any episodes, okay? You guys are going to love this conversation. We go in all different kinds of areas. We talk about a lot of things, but of course we have fun and it all ties in to the message of we face adversity in our life and it shows up in all different areas. So, okay guys, sit back, relax. Ian Creighton coming right up. Ian, my man, what's up, brother? Yo, Lance, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. 
Dude, super excited to have you on as well. You're one of those guys that, you know, we've connected a few times and I really love your energy. I love your vibe and what you're up to is really cool too. <laughs> it's funny because we were just talking and, you know, there's certain things when, in, within our fit for service crew, there's certain things you get to know about somebody you kind of talk about, you know, we end up talking about spirituality stuff and all that. But like when I get people to send in like a bio form like this, I get to see more of what you've done in your life and it's, it's fucking cool, man. And it's really, it's great because sometimes, sometimes we don't really get to explore that as much with people, you know, and some people don't go into their story, but when you see them listed in like a bio form like that with all the things, it's pretty cool, man. So welcome to the show. I'm, I'm excited Thanks, to have man. you on. Thanks, man. I just try to go back and start thinking of like uh, anything interesting I can think and I just kind of threw it in there. So Yeah, <laughs> but that's what it's all about, right? And I, I love that because everybody's got a different story. So um, the theme of this, obviously, we're going through, fucking hate the word pandemic, coronavirus, whatever. I'm so sick of it, but it is what it is. But I've been, the theme of it is to kick off with kind of your perspective on what's going on right now. It, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. I just like to address how are you doing with everything, man? Give us an update on your life with this current situation. Yeah, man. Happy to. Definitely been a roller coaster, as I'm sure it has been for everybody. Um, I started out the this pandemic in the middle of the the, the ground zero, if you will. I was in uh, New York City, uh, where I live. I'm not there now. I, I'm from Canada originally, so I'm in, back in Nova Scotia now. But um, yeah, I started out in the middle of that, and it was a little bit crazy. Things got kind of wild quickly. Uh, my wife and daughter, I, I got them out like right when things started getting crazy. And then I went back and I was there for another two weeks and it, it was wild. It was like, you know, I went from everything being normal, everyone going out to eat and not, not, not having that many issues to all of a sudden being complete chaos and, you know, people wearing masks and no one being able to get close to each other. And so anyway, I started there and then uh, I made my way back to Canada just cause spending an, indefinite period of time in a 700 or 600 square foot apartment is not ideal. So I uh, came back to Canada and then I had to spend 14 days like completely isolated in my parents' basement. So um, that was interesting to say the least. I basically had, I was by myself for 14 days. So talk about having some like quiet time of reflection. You know, I was like journaling, I was working, but I was still tons of time to like journal and meditate and just complete alone time, which was Unique because I don't think there's very many opportunities in a person, an adult's life to do something like that for that long a period of time. So it was kind of forced on me and it was, uh, it was really interesting and it, it helped me like kind of calm, find calm and uh, kind of go a little more inward. And to be honest with you, ever since then, I've been as crazy as things have been. I run a, I run a gym, do a bunch of things, but I run a gym in New York City and we don't know what's going to happen with that. We don't know if we'll be able to open again or when and how it's going to work and so many unknowns. And, you know, I have a staff of 25 people and same thing for them, but I don't know something about it. I just find this, found this calm where I feel like, you know, things are going to work out and the net result of this, when we all look back on it, is going to be hugely positive. All, obviously minus the, the deaths and, and illness has been horrible, obviously. And that's, I'm not trying to discount that whatsoever, but, um, I think the world kind of needed this in a, in a weird way, this kind of pause and time to reflect on yeah. where we're at. So, so yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. And it's, it's crazy when we all talk about it. It's like, we all say, I say it too. It's like, don't want to downplay what's going on. 
in the world, you know, people are getting sick and dying and it's so true, but it's like, well, there's, there's so much shit going on in the world. Other than that, where people are dying too, I don't want to discredit anything because there's a lot of shit going on in the world right now. And, and that's not get media attention, right? But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time because I think a lot of people who have the tools in their toolbox, who've done a little bit of work up until now, spiritually, mentally, physically, can kind of navigate through this because this is kind of like real life. This is like, okay, what I've used in life now, you know, I may used to talk about, but now it's kind of the real deal. And, you know, we show up in our life and it's yeah. like, this is the, this is the proof who's, who's surviving, who's pivoting, who's becoming a victim, who's empowered. Right. It's really interesting. It is. And I think, I also think that most of us, and this is comes back to awareness and kind of waking up or if you will, but like most of us, a lot of us, right. Are live our lives on cruise control. You know, you have a job or you have X, Y, Z and you're kind of going down this linear progression and everything's as planned and there's not a lot of like bumps in the road. And this is just like, you know, this is like a freaking crash in the middle of the road, right? You're just, you don't know what to do, right? And it just yeah. throws everything into a tailspin. So you just got to like navigate through that. And I think it, you learn a lot about yourself through that process. Man, what a, what a crazy contrast. Nova Scotia, New York City. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Not just, not just Nova Scotia, not just Nova Scotia, but like rural Nova Scotia. So like, oh, wow. So you know, like small town. <laughs> one of the craziest cities in the world to yeah, like probably one of the too. quietest spots yeah definitely we have my hometown is about a thousand people where i am now there's there's nobody there's no one around for for all <laughs> we don't really have neighbors where we are so we're just on the on the beach just wow. uh yeah definitely a little bit different than new york city for sure but i can appreciate it That's, i haven't been here in a while so it's nice it's a nice break <laughs> so before we get into your backstory, what are some of the things that you really, you had to adjust to right away? Like you had to react to because you didn't have really have a choice. You know, this thing kind of hit, you know, what are some of the things that you had, you had to jump at and take control of, especially in the role that you're in? Well, first off, like we got closed down on Monday. I remember like we went into work, we were open. We kind of had a hint we were going to have to close, but we didn't know when. And we got the order we need to close. So we closed Monday and at noon on the sixth, March 16th. And um, the first thing was like, look, we have a pretty big amount of members at our gym, right? We have about, you know, at, the, at that moment, we probably had about 300 and uh, call it 350-ish, right? Regularly paying members. So our biggest thing was like, look, as a service to our members, like they're not, they're going to be stuck inside, right? They have nowhere to go. So what we did was immediately, so that was a Monday on the Wednesday. We, I actually coached our first two zoom classes. So we started open a zoom account and uh, started classes on a Wednesday. We had three classes a day for about four days and then it was hugely popular. So we added more classes and now we have five a day, uh, 30 a week, totally free. Our members use it. People from anywhere in the world, it's totally free. So you can just go on and do the workout. And um, so basically what we tried to do is just provide as much value as we could to our members who are like, they're our customers, obviously, but they're also like, we're friends with them, you know, like it's a really tight knit community. And so we were trying to kind of build that and foster that sense of community online as much as we could. And, you know, it's worked. Like I coach uh, a couple classes a week and we'll get anywhere from 15 to 30, 35 people on there and everyone gets to see each other. And so that's been, that's been really good. That was the first thing we did. So we did that in about 24 hours. 
you know, then we did start doing other stuff. Like we created a, like an online workout guide, like a PDF. So we had, you know, a 75 different workouts you could do at home. And if you had any equipment, you could use it. If you didn't, like we had lots of different like body weight type workouts and circuits. And then we did um, one-on-one accountability coaching. So we offered up our members, uh, you know, one-on-one with one of our coaches to go through, you know, nutrition, fitness, just stuff to like help them get out of the funk, you know, being stuck in, you know, New York City, everybody lives, most people live in like 500 square foot apartments, right? And there's no outlet. So it can get tough, you know, and um, we just needed people, we just want people to know we're in their corner and helping them through this as much as we could. So that was our main pivot. And like, look, some people had financial hardships, so they had to put their accounts on hold and we totally understood that. But then a lot of people, you know, continue to support us whether they paid membership or cut their, like made a donation every month or whatever. But it's been, uh, it's been pretty amazing to see like the support we've received and yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's, it's helped us to stay alive and kind of push through this closure and, you know, deal with some stuff. So that was the first big thing we dealt with. Yeah. Because nobody's really trained for this, right? Like it's really, it's really, forcing people to be innovative and to think on their feet. It's kind of like yeah. the, tr- the true entrepreneur has to do, right? And there's always these pivots and these businesses. It's, it's like you don't prepare for this stuff in school. Like, you know, what happens when there's a pandemic, right? Nobody thinks that that was ever going to be the thing, like that something's going to get yeah. shut down the entire world. Like that wasn't even fathomable before. Like, could you have ever, like even in 2008, it was like, it was terrible, but like not to the degree that is happening now. So no, not even close. I mean, that seemed like that's like the next thing I think about because I was that was pretty that was pretty close to home for me because I kind of worked in that industry at the time. But um, yeah, I think that's the closest thing you can associate with this. But it's definitely definitely nothing close. I mean, social isolation is is definitely something that I don't think any of us could have ever predicted. Yeah. That's so crazy, man. Like telling us to stay inside. Like it's insane. Yeah. Did you watch, uh, you probably talked to some of your other guests about this, but did you watch um, Pandemic? I had started it and then I'm like, why am I watching this? <laughs> is, it, what's a, is it good? It's so good because it's so eerily close to what the hell is going on right now. Like the yeah. term social distancing and, really? and all these uh, like, virus it's all in there like it's all in there and it's like the way it's spread and everything about it is just so spot on it's it's eerie to watch well i i don't doubt that there's so many things that were made beforehand as like a representation of what's going to happen i mean it's i yeah i don't even know man it's so crazy because i've heard that and i i almost don't want to watch it because i'm like what the fuck is going on here like seriously (laughs) you know like like, it's worth it (laughs) It's it's crazy. I I know. I um. There's some of those ones, but there's another one too. What is it? Contagion or something? Contagion. Contagion. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Contagion is the one I'm talking about. Not pandemic. Oh, Contagion okay. is the one I'm talking about. That's right. the one with right. um. Yeah, with Matt Damon and Gwyneth Paltrow and Lawrence Fishburne. That one. I, I started watching that. I started watching that actually. Yeah. Go back and watch it. It's crazy. It's so eerie. It's eerie to watch. It really yeah. is. Yeah, I will. So, all right, brother, let's, let's circle back here. So when I was looking through and, you know, we've got to know each other a bit, but like, I don't, I, I like to really go back and kind of learn about 
you growing up, what it was like for you and maybe walk us through like your early days and maybe give us one challenge or one thing, one of the biggest challenges or struggles that you went through that had the most impact on your life today. Hmm, that's interesting. So yeah, I mean, I told you before, but I grew up in Nova Scotia in Canada, which a lot of people may not even, all the Canadians know, but any Americans probably don't know where that is because I, I live in the States and no one really knows where it is. But yeah, small town, grew up, you know, just kind of playing tons of sports, you know, hockey. I think that's why you and I kind of connected initially is because we both grew up pretty big into hockey. I think you yeah. much more than me, but... But yeah, it was a big thing. And I grew up in a small town. And to be honest with you, like part of me always just wanted out. I just, I didn't love being in a small place. I kind of was always attracted to bigger cities and bigger places. And so I kind of worked my way up. Like, you know, I went to school in, in Halifax and then moved to Toronto and then ultimately to, to New York. But the biggest challenge that got me to where I am today, that's, that's a good question. I have to actually... Or which, which had the most impact like in hindsight, you know, because what I'm discovering now as well is like the traumas and stuff that I'm exploring that I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's really interesting because although it's held me back, it's also the thing that's impacted me the most. It doesn't have to be completely in the positive. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that impact us that are negative, but I mean, they end up being positive, right? There's so many things, but. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, one thing, I go back to this a lot, is like when I was a kid, I'm like kind of like taller and skinnier now, but I definitely, I was like a really chubby kid. You know, I was like the fat kid when I was when I was young. So I think that definitely had an effect on me from like a body image perspective. And uh, it kind of got me into, you know, working out and exercise and fitness. And, uh, you know, it's still it's the biggest part of my life. Like I work in fitness, you know. So I don't, I think there's definitely a correlation to uh to growing up like that as a child you know and then makes and, sense and then kind of getting out of it and then being like all right like i don't want you know that's you know not that i got i don't remember that much about getting like teased about it that much or anything but i just always just felt you know really insecure about it and so mm. you know fast forward to when i went to college and stuff it was like all right like i'm gonna even not even in my even in my later teens uh i you know i grew immediately and got skinny but i just because of that that past i was like all right now i gotta like keep on like working out and uh you know stand fit so that's one thing i think that definitely shaped a lot <laughs> uh to get where i am right now for sure yeah that and here this is so interesting because that's your identity for so long and since those were such young ages you and then you changed so fast you're still looking at life through that lens of the chubby kid for a long time too after that, right? That's, like you still, even, even to this day for me too, and this is so, it's so aligned with what I'm doing. It's like, there was a point where I got bullied in a new school, new part of the world. And then sometimes I'm still seeing life, how, how those bully kids see me as like, you know, and I'm like, but, but it's just our perspective, right? But it's so easy because we get that ingrained, that emotional attachment to that feeling that it's like, it becomes, it's so hard to let go sometimes. And like we go back and forth, right? And, and, you, mean, and it's, you mean about being defensive? Almost as if like you're like, you're right back to being that bullied kid and you're trying to defend yourself? Well, or just that there's a reason 
there's a there's a reason people are treating you this way. Like, what is the reason? And just all that leads to is a lack of self confidence, right? So yes. I think if you're if there's a reason, so what happened with me was then I was I went down a path of starting to doubt myself. So anything I said because because I was so used to getting my ideas shut down by this particular group, and then when I started to get into different groups or whatever, it became like. Well, anything I say just doesn't matter. It's just going to get shut down. And then like, that's what I'm discovering now. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, how, and, and then now I'm seeing the correlation of like, sometimes when I show up, I'm thinking, oh, they're just going to think that's stupid because they did when they were that, when I was that age or in high school sometimes, but that has nothing to do with now at all. Like the way life is now is so different and how people see you is different. Like how I perceive you is completely different probably than how you see yourself, right? Like it's, yeah. it's so interesting. 100%. And sometimes we yeah. still see ourselves through this kid that because we were so, we had those impressions created so young that it's like that almost sticks around for, for your whole life. So like you almost trying to explain to somebody like, hey, do you, do you not see this, that we see you like this? You, you're so talented. Like you're so, but sometimes people are like, no, I don't see that. I just see this kid from, you know, the trauma kid, right? It's fascinating. I don't even, I don't even know if they see the trauma kid. I think it's just that you build narratives. I, th- I think yeah. about that a lot, especially in the last few months um, since we started Fit for Service. Like, yeah, I think you build these narratives when you're young and they yeah. never really go away. Like the stories you tell yourself, you, as much as you might want to change them, it's not a, it's a very difficult thing to do. And Fair like, much. I think about that a lot. Like you're right. Cause certain situations come up and you're trying to, you're trying to think of what they think of you. Like, Oh, it's like, they think it's a stupid or, you know, they don't like me or, you know, this guy's a joke or whatever. And like, these are the narratives that pop up. And like, there's no question that starts at a young age and it's hard. It's really hard to change that. It really is. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, the more open conversations you have with people about how they perceive you. And then I think that, starts to change the narrative but yeah that takes that's some deep shit yeah well man <laughs> having these conversations for me has has helped so much with that because it's almost like a you know the humility of it that everybody's so similar like yeah we're all we all have a gift we're all different we've but we've all been through shit we've all had a unique way whether whether we had a rough family upbringing whether we didn't there's all sort of some, there, there's trauma shows up in so many different ways, you know, and it can be in such a, a minor way, but the feelings and the emotions you attach to that thing that happened can affect you for so long, you know, oh, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily have to be this real crazy, serious thing. It could have been this thing you don't remember that well. And it just like ate away at you that you, and you just use these things to kind of mask that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Everyone thinks it has to be this huge trauma, like, you know, from your childhood, like assault or abuse or whatever it may be. But like, it's funny, I, I was watching um, Chris D'Elia's stand-up special on Netflix recently, and he talks in it. It's really funny because I can relate to it a bit. It's because he's like, yeah, I grew up with totally normal parents, and they're still together, and they let me do pretty much whatever I wanted. So I never felt like I was doing anything wrong. And, and he just talks about how, and he's a comedian. He's a really successful comedian, you know, and he's not, a lot of comedians do come from trauma, but he comes from an absolute, what you consider normal background. And he still came out with like this amazing comedy gift. Right. And he, you know, he has his own 
narratives, I'm sure too, right? But it was interesting hearing him say that because like I feel that way sometimes. I'm like, oh man, I didn't think I had like that crazy of a childhood. So maybe like some of these people who come up and are really successful have had really tough upbringings, but I don't think that that's definitely not a requirement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like hearing something like that say it, you're like, oh shit, yeah, okay. That's, like, I like that. It's definitely not a requirement for sure. But it's, it's almost, it makes me think though. It thinks, although we don't want anybody to go through shit. You know, you don't want your kids to go through hard times because you love them and you care about them. But then it's almost like, well, shit, if they don't go through stuff, then how are they going to learn, right? It's kind of like a weird, it's a weird thing. And I, I think the narrative is changing. Like you don't have to suffer in order to get, like if you can learn the lessons about what's happening and have that awareness, then you don't have to, I think you, 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 the pain comes and the suffering comes until you learn the lesson. And if, the, if you can learn the lesson younger, I, I, I like to think that kids don't have to go through hardship, but then I also think it's also the gift that they got to go through, whatever that is, right? It's like, yeah. I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing now if I didn't. I'd be doing something else. So I'm like, it's, it's such a weird situation because we don't want anyone to suffer or go through pain, but then we also know what's on the other side of that is usually a gift, right? <laughs> like, right. But I think you can go through minor suffering or challenges where you can learn some really difficult lessons without yeah. having to go through like total trauma, right? And I think people yeah. do. That's why I say that people I, I find, I always say that it's like people who are like really rich. It's almost like you, sometimes you, and you know, these people, right? Sometimes or you grew up with kids who had really like wealthy families and you're, you're almost like part of you is like, Oh, it's awesome. But then part of you is like, it's almost like you feel a bit sorry for some of them because they don't have the challenges. Right. Like, uh, and not, not everyone, obviously like some parents are really good at teaching their kids like principles and, um, you know, raising them properly. So they have like values and they understand like how society works. And, but like, like people like professional athletes, kids who end up being professional athletes, like, um, like Christian McCaffrey, like guys like that. I'm always just like hats off to dudes like that. Cause like this guy is a stud. He's probably more talented than his dad, but he didn't need to do any of that. He had a freaking pro bowl dad, a mom that played like Olympic volleyball I think I think that's what she did she's an Olympian maybe she was a sprinter but like he didn't have to go through that shit he didn't have to go through that like work ethic to get to the NFL and then ultimately be amazing you know like I was even watching Michael Jordan's like the last dance and like I see his kids when he was coming up and I'm like man like it's cool to be Michael Jordan's kids but they're probably not going to be Michael Jordan. They're probably going to want to be, they're probably going to have dreams of being like their dad, but that's a, those are big shoes to fill, man. And that's like a tough way to go about it. Whereas if you're a kid from like an underprivileged neighborhood, like, and you see this all the time, professional sports, you see it in, you know, underprivileged neighborhoods in Canada, you see it in same in the States with like football and basketball, but the best, a lot of the best athletes, right. They come from, they come from nothing. Like they have nothing to lose. Yeah. And so it's like, it's interesting, that dynamic, but I think, you know, kids need to learn. Like, I think about that with my daughter. I'm like, what things did I not do as a kid that would be really helpful for her to know? Like stuff like, you know, learning how to like do stuff with your hands and how to be like, be entrepreneurial as a kid, like pushing that and like trying to just life lessons outside of just going to school, you know, school is just a small aspect of that, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting because 
Yeah, I guess having the kids, I, I think it's important as well to, it just was coming to me while you were speaking about that. And I was thinking, well, how are these kids going to learn the lessons? It's like, I think it's a different way of parenting now. I'm not a parent, but I would like to think that I was, would want to teach my, my child gratitude. Like you got to be grateful. That's the problem is like when these kids that come from rich families that had everything given them, a lot of them don't know gratitude. That's all they know. But I think there has to be a clever way to like really teach them about gratitude, right? Like I think a lot of people after what's going on now will have a lot higher, higher sense of gratitude just for the little things in life. Like how much do people miss just going and, and, and going for a coffee together and walk and going for dinner? Like the things we take for granted, right? Like people are going to just the littlest things. And that's the, that's a very good lesson to this whole thing. It's like the littlest things you thought were always going to be there were taken away. So, you know, how much more grateful are you going to be when you show up for these things? Right. And I think that for me as a, as a dad, what I would want is to really have that where these kids are like really excited about things because it's not a given all the time. Right. And, and to really appreciate life and, and what they have. And I guess that's yeah. the, that's the challenge. Like how do you install that on a kid? I think one way, the way I learned it and I real I learned a little bit later is um, traveling. Traveling is a big one. Oh yeah. Like going to, you know, a third world country for instance, and like just seeing like, just getting out there and seeing how other people in the world live, you know, like it's so easy to get caught up in your bubble and so many people like, I think Canadians are better at it, at traveling. I know Americans are really not like they stay in their own country. It's always this kind of strange thing. Like I've been backpacking a couple times and there's tons of Canadians, tons of like people from all over the world, but very few Americans. And um, I just think people get caught in their own little bubble and they don't get out and see like, you know, like when I went to, I was in, you know, I flew into Ecuador and it's the first time I'd ever been outside. Well, I've been to a bunch of countries, but not to like, country like that and it was just like real big at the time i mean ecuador's like up and down politically i guess but you know just getting off that plane and being like wow this is this is like nothing i could have ever expected i don't speak the language very well or at all and like it's like boom like culture shock you know and i think the more people can the more you can experience that at a younger age the more you can like develop your own kind of views and i think you get you build a lot of gratitude from that because you see you know how good you might have it right and and uh, you appreciate what you have more, you know? Mm, that's, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point because actually experiencing, not just telling them or showing them, you got to experience it. It's just like, even for us, you know, it's easy. You can watch something, learn about a country on TV or a movie, but there's nothing like being in person and the smells and the uncomfortable shit you go through. Like, the different, you know, the patience level you have to have, you know, through the different customs that people have, like, and you get over, you land on the plane from how they treat you to like people pressuring you to get in a cab, like all these different things, all the comforts of, you know, North America or wherever Europe, there's like, you lose those and you, the stuff that you, you rely on as like being staples are taken away. And it's like, oh shit, there's so many gray areas. It's not black and white it's a real way to get humble quick and be like, fuck, like what am I supposed to do here? And then having that experience for me personally, traveling changed everything. So like, I think you're completely right. The younger a child can get exposed to that, 
like the uncomfortable things that go with it. Like, Oh yeah, man. It's, it's so, so powerful, man. It is using the bathroom in certain countries. The bathroom. Yeah. Like the, the things (laughs) that like, like, Oh, this isn't like home. Yeah, exactly. You have it good. Right. It's like, like, it's like, and, and I, I, even when I first went to Europe, that was my first, that was 22. Man, that was a crazy shock for me. It's the way Europe was even going to first, you know, you land, you go to London and it's like, holy shit, man. It's insanity on the tubes. It's yeah. like, we're in Canada. Sorry, 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 sorry. But yeah. in London, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Get, it's on, get out of my way. You know, it's like, we have an agenda. We're doing it. Get out of my way. And that's just, it's a beautiful synergy that they have there. But it's, yeah. if you're not used to it, it's a little bit crazy or like, you know, a place like Wales where it's super old school in certain areas. And it's like people are flushing the toilet with a chain and it's like, what? Like, where am I back in time? Like those lessons are just gold for people, you know? And that really shapes us to appreciate what we have. And when you get home, you're like, oh, my own bed. It's the best. Yeah, you know? it absolutely is. But, uh, but you also come away with different life experiences and world, like worldly views. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like you might not yeah. even know what you're interested in. Like, so many things, so many possibilities that like you, you learn from growing up, like playing, like you and I, right? We played sports, but like, I don't know. I wasn't like pushed into arts, you know, it, it was like something like, it was like not frowned upon, but it was like something dudes didn't really do. You didn't like yeah, sing, man. you didn't dance, you didn't like act. It wasn't like a thing, you know? And then, you know, you, you travel or you see, you open yourself up to these different kind of worlds and you're like, Oh shit, that looks awesome. Like it just, it takes like, it takes one thing to like inspire somebody to be like, Oh man, I really want to go down that path. And um, I think by traveling and kind of just getting out of your own little, even if it's not a lot of travel, right? Like you live in Vancouver, come to Nova Scotia, or like go to Seattle. You know what I mean? Like just just getting away a little bit and kind of shifting your mindset and how you view cultures and how you view the world is just such a valuable thing. Yeah, man. So what I'm curious about too, bros, I want to circle back here is how did you become? So you were an investment banker on Wall Street. Is that what you like? walk us through that craziness because working on wall street you know you have this i'm just the total cliche wolf on wall street kind of shit like what what was that world like man because that's not every day you meet somebody that worked in that industry yeah i mean i have lots of views on on it i i I came (laughs) out of school i came out of school i actually was an investment banker in canada and toronto first and so it was like there's a book called liars poker by uh michael lewis and that book was responsible for like a lot of people getting into Wall Street, like in my era, like my age group, I guess. You're how old again? We're same age. I'm 37. I just turned 37. Okay. So 83. I'm 36. Same age. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 83. 83. And so uh, I got out of, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew like I was good with numbers. I like math kind of. I just thought like science, I was always told like arts. I wasn't going to be able to get like a job with an arts degree. You know, it was like a narrative. Yeah. So I, I kind of went into engineering and then I fucking, I sucked at it. It was just way too hard. So I went into business like finance because it was like much easier and I didn't want, I wanted to enjoy college. So, and then I got out of that and I kind of like limped into this job, like this internship in Toronto at Scotia bank. It's uh, it called Scotia capital at the time. And, um, they ended up hiring me on after I was done. It was straight out of like all the stereotypes, like, 90 100 hour weeks like working seven days a week 
um, making way too much money out of, for that age, you know, like making well into the six figures, like at 20, which is just not a normal thing. Right. And, and having nothing to spend it on, but booze and partying. Cause like, that's what you did. You worked hard, played hard, but inevitably, like, I just knew it wasn't for me. Like I did it for, I was, I did it for a couple of years, but I just knew like right away. I'm like, I can't, this lifestyle is just unsustainable. I'm like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I learned a ton. I worked on some like, you know, some crazy stuff you know, crazy transactions and stuff and met a lot of cool people, but inevitably I was like, nah, I'm out. And so I quit. And then, uh, I went backpacking for about six months. So I went through South America and kind of like just gallivanted around and learned studied Spanish in Colombia and just like kind of went on like a little tour on my own by myself. And, um, then I got back and it was 2008 and Bear Stearns, I just got back when Bear Stearns collapsed. So it was like in February or March of 2008. And then I, I didn't have a job. So I literally stayed at my parents' place and played golf for like four months. I played, I was literally playing twice a day. I got my handicap down to like a one. And then uh, I went to New York because I just needed some, I needed to get the hell out and get away from home. And I kind of ended up meeting a guy at like a, like kind of a friend of a friend. And he met me. He's like, yeah, meet, come meet me at this cigar lounge in like this address or whatever. Met this guy. In New York? In New York. At this. This this pimped out cigar lounge had drank like I don't know seven scotches, smoked a cigar, and he's like, "Tomorrow I'm gonna." This is some guy. He's guys from Boston. He's like straight out of a movie, and he's like, "Tomorrow you need you got uh, my buddy at Jeffrey's this investment bank. He's gonna he's gonna call you." I'm like, "All right." So I woke up the next day like hungover. I get this call like nine o'clock. Like, hey, uh, this is whoever. Can you come in uh, and like. 30 minutes. So I'm like, Oh, so I hustle up, go in there. And like, they were just, they just happened to be hiring. And, and I just really lucked out because everyone in the world was getting laid off back then. Like everybody was getting laid off. And so they hired me and I got this job on a trading floor in sales. So what I basically did was I, I worked with like some of the biggest hedge funds in the world. And essentially the, one of the big parts of my job was to get them to transact with us. So I would take them out and I basically had an unlimited expense account. And um, part of my job was just taking them out and showing them a good time and, you know, just be kind of befriending. Like inevitably some of them became close friends of mine, but like Wolf of Wall Street, like that, some of that stuff's not, not uh, that much of a stretch. Like Billions actually is the show I think I, I told you about, but like that show is based off one of my former clients. You know, like I, that show is so eerily accurate. It sounds like made up and it looks like it's not real, but like that is that's real shit. Like it's very much like that. And it's those stereotypes. Look, I've been out now for four, four and a half years, I guess, five years now actually, but it's, it's not far from the truth, man. The whole thing, like the models and bottles and just all the shit, like it's a big part of it. Wow. Dude, that's honestly, like, I don't know if my body could have handled that. I would have probably ended up in a gutter somewhere because what happened? there's what just, happened? there's just too much. There's just too, it's there's just too much adult activity going on. There's just too much. And I, I experienced that even working in bars, man, yeah, well, yeah. working in clubs, you know, to a, to a certain degree, but not into the adult playground. New York city is. Yeah. It's an epic place. <laughs> I would have got swallowed up, man. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Like it was like, oh, you want to go to this restaurant? Sure, let's do it. And like, 
I had like all these people on my phone, like these Jesus. guys that could get me into places. And it was just, it was just wild. And like, but inevitably wow. the reason I had to get out was for that very reason. Like it was literally killing me. And I, and I got into fitness in a really big way. And it was just, I couldn't do both. I was just out every night and it was just a lifestyle that for me was just not sustainable. I, I was just like, you know, I, I, I gotta get out now or there's, there's no, there's no escape. Like, How it, did you, you get know. up for work? Because this is a question too, is like, all right, so I worked in the CBD central business district of Sydney in Australia, right? So like we were, we were the spot. Everybody went for the lunches, the long lunches and Aussie's fucking drink, dude. Oh, Every yeah. single day lunch, they start like, I don't know. I'm like, do you guys work? Like what the fuck is going on here? Like you guys get here before like 11 o'clock and you're, some of them are here till whatever whatever, a stupid o'clock, nine o'clock and they're, you know, busting lines in the bathroom, whatever. And it's just like, it's insanity. But like, I don't understand how people can function and get up and work and, and do it all again. It's like, it's insane. Like, and I saw it firsthand. Like, it's crazy. I, I think, you know, it's like one of those things. I think you just develop a tolerance for it after over time. But like, I've never been a morning person, to be honest with you. And I had to be up at like, 5.30 pretty much or I guess 6 maybe every day back then but it killed me every, every fucking day every day it was just like it never got easier it never got <laughs> easier and the days you're out late like it's just it's just what you imagine you wake up feeling like a complete zombie and you kind of like just march through and drink tons of coffee and oh just all the stimulants you can Man. and just you know by like 9 o'clock you're, and the crazy thing was the morning was the craziest part so like from 7 a.m until 9.30 a.m. was just like, just chaos. Like you walk in and everyone's just like on the phone, you're calling people and you're like, the phone's ringing and the freaking, it's just people are yelling. And it's, it's like, that was the craziest time. And you kind of had like, I guess being in that environment, cause it's such a circus, like wakes you up, you know, that was part of it. Like you're not sitting in a cubicle, like, like looking at just yeah. like typing stuff. You're like, it, it's a lot. Like you got, I had like five screens and a hundred people within like a stone's throw of me and everyone's fucking yelling. And it's just, so I guess that, that helped, that helped. What a crazy, bizarre world, man. Like it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. And, 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 you know, obviously I watch shows like suits and that kind of thing. And it's like, what a, what a, just an insanity. What a, just a playground of just craziness. Like, like I just, I, I try and put myself because, you know, I used to do, you know, three, I'd work from 3 p.m. We'd close a bar. We'd go out, you know, some of the days I'd come home at 10 a.m. You know, I'd go back, I'd sleep for a couple hours. And then, you know, I'd have to, my, my routine, I'd get to work. I had four shots of espresso, probably three vodka. And I'd just be like, okay, now I can, now I can speak to a human. Yeah. You know? Other, just zombie. It was crazy. The vodka would help my anxiety, but then the coffee would just wake me up as a human. Because, and then I would be fine. But like everybody has their things to get through the shit. And I just, I can't imagine what that, that arena of people had for their morning cocktails. <laughs> you know, like. Oh yeah, man. There's, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to it. But it's true. You need like, that's why like, you know, look, there's no, there's no hiding that like places like New York, not, not just New York City, fucking everywhere. Like, yeah. Like the amount of like cocaine and just like just substances to get people through like it's it's yeah. not like it's just and i'm not saying like i don't know people i don't i'm not saying people were 
doing that shit like during the workday. They could have been not, not, not really that I saw, but like, you know, at night and just people are just looking for just escapes, man. Yeah. Drugs or alcohol. And then you wake up and then you just coffee and it's just like, just yeah. one thing leads to another, leads to another. And you just get in these vicious circles and yeah. you're never really, you're never really level. There's never a level time. Yeah. Ever. And then, and then the worst part was, you know, and this, I can speak half of New York city can relate to this actually probably half of the, a lot of the world can relate to this but like then the weekend comes and you're just like fuck i gotta get after it because it's been a tough week and then sunday comes and it's like sunday fun day and you're just like out all day like especially in the fall when like football season's on and then you're like get up monday and you feel even worse than you did on friday morning oh. and it's it's just like it's like getting kicked in the fucking nuts every monday and and like that feeling that sunday blues feeling I used to get that deep like anxiousness I would get on like Sunday at like four god man I like now I Monday doesn't really make a difference to me Monday's just like any other day so just getting rid of that anxiety fuck man that's just uh, so much dude you just put me right back into that position because I know exactly what you mean that afternoon you just beat the shit out of your body and then you're like wait a minute I got work tomorrow and then for some reason, Sunday, because they call them Sunday sessions in Australia, it's fucking nice out. Everybody's out. And you start, you have a little bit too much. So you're like, let's go tonight. Let's keep it going. And yeah. then you go to work Monday and you're like, man, I feel worse. And all I wanted to do is recoup. And then it starts yeah. over again. You know, Holy shit. I remember that exact feeling, man. Like, <laughs> And then you're like, oh, next weekend, I'm going to sleep. Like, I'm, I'm not, Okay, I'm not going to get to sleep this week. But on Friday night, I'm going to sleep. But then Friday night rolls around and you're like, Fuck that, man. I'm going out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, dude, that's it's so crazy. I love, I love hearing this because it's so real. It's like the real life adversity of every day. This is what people go through. And we were talking before about coffee and like, you know, I'm on the tease now as I, I, I've been talking about it because when I, when I speak it out, like on Instagram or whatever, it, it like makes it real for me. And it means like, I can't be full of shit. I'm actually going to follow through. And so tea, you know, was one of the coffees, one of those things, booze was one of those things. And it's like a constant, you drink enough coffee until it's time to drink booze, right? It's <laughs> like, Hey man, I'm going to smash coffees. And it's like, well, it's the evening now. I'll have a beer. Right. It's like, you know, and it's like, what the fuck is going on here? And you're right. It's like a constant get up, get down, get up. And then I'm like, wait a minute. So booze is off the table now for a bit. It's like, now I'm on the teas. Yeah. I need the caffeine, but it really has helped the crash for the coffees, man. Where are you at with that? What do you drink? Well, especially for you, right? If you're doing a lot of interviews, like, I don't know if I could do it. I drink, I've limited my coffee in the last like year or so to, I do one cup, maybe one and a half cups in the morning. And that's it. Like back in the day, it was like coffee at six, coffee at nine, coffee at two, maybe another one. Like it was just you know, and not, and not like little coffees, you know, like a Starbucks, like grande or like a, like, you know, a double espresso or whatever. Now I just do coffee a cup and a half in the morning. I usually do a little bit of black, just black in the, uh, when I first wake up and then a little, add a little bit of heavy cream, in my, my second half cup. And, uh, I've been switching over to teas. So teas in the afternoon and evening, not because I need something just because I actually really enjoy drinking it, but I do admire people like you. I've never, I've tried to give up coffee before. But it just, I swear, there's nothing that's harder for me. Like sugar, freaking meat, anything. Yeah. But coffee is just one of those things. Alcohol, I can give alcohol, no problem. Yeah. But coffee? Dude, legit. Bro. 
Legit, man. I know it's, I get, I'm, I'm curious as to why it's easier for me to quit now. I, I give a lot of credit to like maybe the psilocybin, maybe doing a little bit of like sure. some of the work and some of the like re the fixing the pathways. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to unpack all that, but also not having drinking or sorry, proper English, anyone not having a drink for almost two months. Uh, I talked about this in, in one of my Instagram stories is about, I think I got so programmed to knowing that I didn't get to sleep the night before. So I'm going to just smash it out with coffee. Yeah. And, but now I'm sleeping better. So then I'm like, well, wait a minute, do I need this much coffee? And then, but it was like habit is that, you know, I'd go, I have a, a Starbucks in my building downstairs. I go get a venti venti and then i make a bulletproof coffee i throw the mct oil i throw the butter i'm fucking rocking right for an interview but then i'll i'll crash hard and then i'll get to my and then i have to be super smart because the next interview i i don't want to hit the hit it in the crash phase so it's like i've constantly was like i can't have it now i gotta wait i gotta wait a little bit i gotta do this and i'm like what and then if i had one too many then i'm burnt out i don't want to go to the gym it was, it was, or don't want to work out. It's like my adrenals were fried and sorry if you guys are sick of me talking about this, but I, I have to express it because it's like, it's an issue for some people. And I just find that I'm like, wait a minute, who the fuck is in control here? Like what's going on? Like my whole day is based around this stuff. I'm drinking it at 6 PM at night. I'm like, what am I drinking coffee right now? Like, what do I need this crazy energy for? And I'm like hopped up on caffeine as we speak from tea, but I feel like it's just a better choice as far as like keeping that sustainability throughout the day, you know? How much do you miss coffee on a scale of one to 10? I miss not, the, not as much anymore, uh, you know, not as much as I thought. Okay. I, I love the smell of it. I love the, the ritual of it. I love the first, that first sip. That, yeah, that where you're like, oh yeah, I'm awake. But then after, yeah. if you can keep yeah. that, if you can keep that feeling and then be okay with that, okay, great. But if you're going to keep searching for the next one to be just as good, just like I'm not going to talk about partying and all that stuff, but that's what happens. You do your first one and then later on it's not as good. And before you know it, you're just doing it for no reason. And you're just oh, yeah. like a numb, you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and with the coffee, I feel like, holy shit, Lance, get control. But I, I love a good, you know, a good fatty coffee. And cause it just gets, turns my brain on, man. And now I'm just doing it with the teas. What, what about, so for you, obviously I want to, okay. So I want to segue into the, you know, work at your gym. And I want to hear about this gym because I know it's a fucking dope gym and I've heard people speak about it. Okay. So, and then I want to get into kind of like some health stuff and I want to get your insight and all that, but so let's take it from, all right. So you're, you're, you're transitioning out of this craziness. You know that you have a call in your soul to do something different. That's the, the thing that we have. And you, you know, you're partying, you're doing this. We're very similar stories. You love this to satisfy your ego, but it's not satisfying your soul. Right. Am I right? So you end up going to a gym, walk us through that process, brother. This is fucking cool. And I, I love what you're doing now, man. So yeah, so anyway, I was doing the Wall Street thing and then um, a friend of mine, this was in 2011, I think, got into, I, I saw her post, she kept posting about fucking CrossFit on her Facebook and I was just like, fuck man, this is a girl I went to school with in, in Canada, in university. 
And I'm like, what is this shit, man? She's gotten like really, really good shape. Like, what's this all about? So I like, Google it. And like at the time, there was like two gyms in New York City, one really big one. And that was the only one. And I was like, I'm going to check this out. So I went, did the first like intro session. It was really hard, but I was like, oh, I don't know about this, but I'll join for a week. Join for a week. And like after a week, I was just totally fucking in. I was all in. Like my whole life, I've been going to the gym. I didn't really like going to the gym. I just did it because it made me feel really good. And, uh, you know, I was always competing for equipment and squat racks and this and that and like all the bullshit. And all of a sudden, I went to this place where I was in and out in an hour. I felt like a fucking million dollars. And I was getting stronger than I've ever gotten with doing less stuff. And I'm just like, sign me up. So I got really into it. So into it that I like signed up for a coaching course where I could learn how to like coach it and stuff. CrossFit. Coaching CrossFit. Oh, yeah, coaching. dope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Coaching CrossFit. Basically, what happened was that my, my coach that I used to go to, who's now a really close friend of mine, he left to go open this new gym called Brick. I didn't know anything about it, but I just loved him. And he's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll get you in. I'll get you a good deal if you want to join. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. So the place opens up and uh, within a few months, they're like looking for coaches. And I'm like, well, I love this shit. Like I'd be willing to like start coaching if there's a way to do that. Kind of got into the program, started coaching. And then before I knew it, I was coaching classes and working on Wall Street. And so it was just like, I can't do both of these things. Like I'm literally like making up excuses so that I can get out of work early so I can go coach a coach like three classes. So anyway, I, I eventually I was like, maybe I could like make a, make a career change out of this. Like it's a very big difference, right? Especially like monetarily, but you know, I could coach, you know, do some other stuff on the side. And I, I was, I, since I'm Canadian at the time, I didn't have my green card. I, I needed a sponsorship. So they were able to sponsor me and I just was like, all right, this is it. And I kind of just jumped ship and, got into that full time. And then, um, you know, over a couple of years, there was some changeover with management and ownership and, and, uh, they needed someone to kind of come in and, and run, run things. And, um, I just put my hand up cause I, not cause I wanted to, but more just because I thought I had the skill set, and, um, kind of looked at it as like a consulting gig, you know, like I'll do this for a little while. I'll like, hopefully like help the business, get things turned around and like get things firing on all cylinders and, and then from there, yeah, I just, that, that's what I'm still doing. So I, I run the gym. It's called Brick New York. It's in Manhattan. For those, no for those who are. Ah, no big deal. So. <laughs> no big deal. If anyone, for those familiar with Manhattan, it's right by uh, Grand Central Station. So it's in Midtown. Yeah, man. So we, we, it's, it's not just CrossFit. We do, and I hate, I don't like to call it CrossFit at all because it's, I started in that. But our gym, we really, we call it a functional fitness gym. And we have, CrossFit's just one of several classes that we offer. You know, our big thing is just helping people get stronger, learn how to get stronger, and not get hurt. That's like our big thing. It's not about, it's not about like real results, you know, like the thing that drives me crazy in the fitness world, and I'm sure everyone can appreciate this, is like Instagram and some of these, these classes that advert, they have these jack trainers that teach classes. And what they don't see is that they don't get jacked. They don't look like that because of the classes that they teach. Right. So like, you know, you're not going to get, if you're looking for a certain body composition, right. Whether it's muscular or slim, six pack, whatever it may be, you need to like go into the right Avenue, like the right, you need to learn the right skills to get there. And it's not just like going to a boot camp class. Like if you're looking to gain 15 pounds of muscle, Going to like Barry's boot camp or 
one of these hit type of classes is, is it, you're not going to get there. And those trainers that are coaching those classes are not doing those classes. As soon as they're done coaching, they're going to the gym and they're like pulling heavy shit off the ground and squatting and benching, you know, like that's what they're doing to, to, to look to get to that, that goal. Right. And so that our, our place, you know, we focus on more functional stuff, functional fitness, we call it instead of just coining a CrossFit because CrossFit just gets so many bad connotations and I, I really don't like it. So for us, like we try to steer away from that, even though we do actually, we technically have offer those classes. Why does it get a bad name? Cause of injuries, right? Cause a lot of people doing like, there's some experienced Olympic lifting that people shouldn't be yeah. doing unless they're super skilled. Like those, those movements, some of them are, are like fucking, I, I still can't do, I don't even think I've attempted like a, a proper snatch, you know, like yeah. that shit. Most people shouldn't. Yeah. Like, like you shouldn't be doing that unless you really know how, man. Like a lot of people can't even do a proper air squat. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. That's right. Exactly. And that's like, that's the, the reason CrossFit gets a bad name is because it doesn't take much to open a CrossFit gym. Like you could go once Corona's kind of settled down, right? You can go to a weekend seminar and yeah. two days at the end of the two days, you take a class, you take an exam, which is not that hard and you can open a CrossFit gym and you, you have no previous experience. You don't have to have any degree in any like kinesiology or physiology. You don't have to have any of those skills. You just literally get a certificate and it allows you to open a gym. And so because of that, it was great because it grew the brand. Like everybody knows what CrossFit is because everyone's opening these gyms. But the problem with that is it, there was no quality control and there's too many gyms with not good coaching. And the focus is on lifting heavy and quickly and not on uh, injury prevention. And what happens then is just people get hurt. And you probably know this from playing hockey and I know it too, but like injuries are the worst. Like talk about a way to take the wind out of your sails. Like you're feeling good. You're in shape. You're like doing your thing. And then this injury comes up and you're basically on the couch and you, you feel like garbage yeah, man. You know, that's the problem. And so I think that's, that's the issue with CrossFit and people just talk about it. It's like the whole CrossFit cult thing. Like people just talk about it too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, totally. It's like anybody that, anybody that, that tries to force people to do anything or like, you know, becomes cultish, you know, yeah. anybody like diets, people do that with all kinds of diets, you know, with, you know, what's the right way. And it becomes this thing of like making people feel bad. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's, you're right. It's, I, I love the idea of having kind of like, cause I, th I think CrossFit workouts are, are so amazing. I think like, but you have to know what you're doing. And I think there are designed workouts, like, you know, that you don't need to do crazy heavy weights, but like, they're still like, I, I love, you know, pull-ups and rowing and like, there's so many good things there. And, but I think, I just think, yeah, people need to really like understand, like you just need to, you need to be smart. And you should be, you should really take the time to learn how to do these things properly because like if you can't do a proper air squat, you know, then you shouldn't be doing any weight and you're not going to get any, you're not going to get benefits from it anyways. No, it's make it worse. In fact, yeah, it's like, it must drive you nuts. Do you see a lot of people doing, do you like, what is it like? How do you guide people through that? I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you have people that know their shit at that gym, but like, like how does, how does one approach somebody that they feel, you know, you want to help them, but without being like, Hey, I know more than you. What the fuck are you doing? Like, I, I, that's a good point. I mean, to be honest with you, what you, the, the, the progression is usually someone shows up, they're like a train wreck. Like they don't know how to move. 
not that, and this isn't everybody, but this is like a classic example. They don't know how to squat. Like they squat with their knees forward. And yeah. I can't squat because it hurts my knees. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If you just shift the weight back in your heels and push your knees out and oh, wow, that's great. I, I don't even feel my knees. I'm like, yeah, that's because you've just been squatting wrong the whole time. And so you point out little things like that to people and, and you tell them like they, they, you know, you're always trying to kind of fit in. And I was the same way when I started, it's like, Oh, that person's squatting that. So I'm going to do that too. But then as a, you know, as a coach and you got to like recognize that and be like, all right, no, no, no. Like take all the weight off all of it. Right. Here's yeah. an empty bar or here's like a PVC pipe. Let's just go through this. Let's try a couple things. And if people, eventually people learn, right. They might get injured at some point cause they're, they're being stupid, but most of the time they'll listen. And after a while, like they learn and, and all of a sudden, like they, you rebuild them back up and they're stronger than they ever were. And they feel great. And, you know, so it's just a matter of getting through and New York's full of like a lot of type A personalities. Right. So people come, dudes coming in who used to play football or whatever. And they may have done a lot of lifting in high school and college, but they didn't, even in these programs, this is something that kind of, I, I drives me a little bit crazy too. Like, you know, D one schools sometimes in colleges even don't have great strength training principles like you'll see guys just fucking trying to power clean 400 pounds with the shittiest form you know yeah and it, you know and these are these are freaking stallions these are these are kids that should not be getting hurt doing something stupid like a like a snatch with like way too much weight and bad form you know uh, i don't even know how i got onto this but like that's a common thing and so you just like need to like bring down like build people up Right. Yeah, because yeah. people get the ego that that more weight is better, and that's just exactly. not the case. It's like, and now, like I used to, you know, when I was twenty, I did a big cycle of steroids because I thought becoming bigger was better, and doing heavy weight, but it fucked me up. I couldn't even skate. I mean, that's what led to my career ending. Right? Is like, I really? went to camp. Yeah, man, I gained. I went into I went into the summer at one ninety five. I finished the summer at two fifteen. I went to training camp. Finished off the Langley Hornets Junior A BCHL team here. My coach said, the fuck, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you so, you can't skate. Why are you so heavy? And I was like, because I was trying to be, I was trying to be strong. I wanted to be strong in front of the net. I wanted to be able to fight. I want to do all this shit. But it worked against me. And my strengths of being fast and, you know, hard work and grinder, I couldn't move. And that just pretty much, and I got snipped. Yeah, I got cut. And uh, that was the end of that. And that was my... 20 year old year to you know, my last year to get a scully and I, yeah that's kind of what happened man that's kind of what started the path of me turning into a, an animal drunk freak for a while but <laughs> you Dude, know ask, so hold on let me ask you about that yeah. though so yeah so you probably have a different view of this like i always people always ask me about steroids and like who's using who's not i don't have any experience with them but i i mean i know i know enough about them though but we're guys so are guys let me ask you this are guys in the league taking steroids and is it even an advantage in a sport like hockey? Because I see it in football as being an advantage, but I don't really see it in hockey as necessarily being a major advantage. No, I don't, I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's advantages. There's a lot of gray areas because certain things could have been allowed and then they're illegal and then like certain things could be considered legal but then they're illegal it's like it's a real weird gray area of sports enhancements in general like like something like ephedrine everybody used to take it's fucking yeah, horrible it's, for you man oh people used to pop those things and yeah. like it's you like you know i i did a heavy cycle 
And I just blew up because I thought being bigger was like the thing. And now I want to be ripped. I want to be lean as fuck. Like that's my problem is like, I, I, it's hard cause I, I bulk up and I want to lean and, and it's hard because like, you know, but, but that's the thing. It's like, it's workouts that allow your body to be functional and, you know, just build muscle that your body needs for what it needs and look good. You don't need to be bulky. You don't need like, it's, um, you know, someone like Kyle Kingsbury, the guy looks like a gladiator and even Aubrey, like they're just like, that's the right amount of muscle. You don't need to be bigger than that. You know, some people will get bigger than that, but like that even is a bit big too sometimes. Right. Yeah. Kyle's Kyle's definitely like, he's, he's like he's right not. out of the, he's from a different dimension, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like he fucking came from like ancient Greece or Rome and is here habitating our world as a fucking gladiator to help us like, it's like the soft gladiator, like the, the gentle, it's crazy, man. Yeah, I look at him when I first met him in person. I was like, this dude's a fucking specimen. <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm over here lifting, I'm over here lifting as heavy as I can to put on a little bit of muscle. This guy's in quarantine doing yoga only. And he's still just yoked. And I'm just he's like, just what? yoked, man. He's just yoked. And, and I'm the same. I'm trying not to get fat. I'm trying to go in and out of ketosis. Am I having too much of this, too much of that? I, you know, I don't feel motivated to work out. It's a whole fucking thing. And, um, but I wish I knew all this stuff when I grew up playing hockey because we didn't know shit. We were doing bicep curls and squats. And I started to learn towards the end. I had one trainer towards the last couple of years, but I was too busy out partying to take it seriously. But like, you know, proper training where we got into like, started to do like cleans and stuff like that, that are good for explosive power. But I didn't know shit, man. I didn't know how to work out. A lot of us didn't, you know, I was eating big uh, spaghetti dinners three hours before, like real shitty carbohydrates. Yeah. They would give me the worst the lactic acid. Dude, seriously, telling us you're going to gain weight, eat some peanut butter sandwiches before bed. And it's just like, <laughs> and I look back, I'm like, that's all we knew. We did our best, but like, no wonder I couldn't, I had lactic acid buildup. Like I couldn't skate and I wondered why I'm being told to eat this, but really I feel like shit. <laughs> oh, dude, I remember, I remember growing up and going to like hockey tournaments and eating like pizza delight buffets in between games and getting out of the second game and being like, God, I feel like ass. What is wrong with me? (laughs) It's so much pizza on the road. People must be like, you guys are taking this conversation somewhere else, but (laughs) Um, this shit's fucking gold though. You know, like I love talking about it because it's, it's, it's shaped so much of like my life and thinking back, it's just hilarious. But like we used to just, we would sleep on the bus. So I played on the Powell River Kings back in junior A and we played on the island, but the, but Powell River's on the mainland. So we would have, we would do our Victoria Nanaimo swing and we'd have to sleep at the ferries, like sleep on the bus, man. We had these bunks built into the back of the bus. And like, literally, if you were a rookie, you'd be sleeping on pizza boxes and shit. There'd be like people throwing, like you wouldn't get, like we would literally, the place smelt like, Panagopolis pizza or Panago and it would just be like we'd ate so much of that crap or subways it was either subway with too much mayonnaise on it <laughs> like we'd really <laughs> or this pizza that was just like it haunts my dreams of like there's pieces of it everywhere and like sleep on the bus it's fucking crazy man but it's life crazy the- because, you know, because now like I don't think that shit flies anymore like now people are dialed in you know like these, these I mean maybe not in junior A I guess I guess people are probably still eating like assholes sometimes but like as you get older right like you look at the way 
professional athletes are now, right? Like there is no off season, like the season ends and you're right into a fucking intense, you know, six or seven months. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, if you're not, no, you're not there's no off switch for them. They, they even talk about it in spin chicklets. Like you hear Chris Chelios talk about it. He's like, dude, back in the day after a game, we'd be smashing a beer. Now the guy's got a protein shake. He's like, the shit's fucking yeah. changed. Like even Timo Solani was talking about that. He's like, we were, as soon as the game would end, we'd be cracking a beer. And then now it's like, it's so different. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, dude, you got guys like Wendell Clark, like hammering 17 beers after a game. Like just nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's crazy, man. Well, it's it, times have changed and it's good to see, but I, I wish I had the knowledge that we have now, but isn't that just the, the, isn't that just the thing, right? Hindsight's always 2020. That's exactly right, man. I feel that way all the time. You just got to like step away from that. Another narrative you don't need to step away from. Nothing you can do, man. You are where you're supposed to be. What, so talk us around some of the, are you good for time? Yeah, man, I'm good. You, you, yeah. yeah, you're okay. Yeah, I just kind of want to wrap it up talking about kind of like what, what do you see in the nutrition space? Like what do you see a lot of people doing wrong and like, you know, what are you, what are you exploring with? Because there's so many different ways of eating, even in with our community fit for service there's different, there's different people doing different things. I'd like to hear like what helps you perform at your best? Like, or what do you see? people gravitating towards where do you see people failing walk us through that a bit yeah i think um i see it all because part of working in fitness is like you people get tons of questions about all the diets right and like you know now the big the two i hear about all the time are you know it was for a long time it was paleo obviously but now it's it's definitely the ketogenic diet which everyone knows about i remember learning about it like you probably did too back in like the Dom D'Agostino, Tim Ferriss days when it was just getting going and being like, this is kind of, sounds kind of crazy. Or even so the I Atkins think, days, the Atkins days hearing about yeah. it. People forget about Atkins, but Atkins is kind of the same thing as keto, yeah. you know, and not the same, but it's similar. And then, so that's a big one. And right now, like what's crazy is this carnivore diet is really taken off. Like people are really buying into that. And my view of it all is, the ketogenic diet is fine if you know exactly what you're doing. Like if you're peeing on the strips every day or doing a blood test, then that's fine. And you have someone that guides you through that. But unless you, if you don't know what you're doing and you just go out and start eating like super fatty foods, but you're, but you're not doing the other things, like you're throwing in a sandwich here or there, or you're like, you're, you're putting in these carbs that are going to throw you out of ketosis. All you're going to do is get fat because you're just eating tons of fat, but you have this little bit of carbs that's keeping you from getting into ketosis. Yeah. So your brain is still burning your brain. So your body's still burning glucose. It's not burning ketones. So if you don't know what you're doing and you're not peeing on the strips every day, you have to do that. I think for the first, I didn't get into it completely, but like the first 90 days, right. And they talk about going through the keto flu where you just have zero energy because your body's transitioning from the glucose energy system to ketones. But like if you have someone professionally that can do that for you, then, and you're committed to it, great. But my issue with that diet and the carnivore diet for that matter is like a diet is just as good as if a diet is good if it works. Like if it doesn't work and you can't stick to it and you're, it's a fucking pain in your ass and you're just like, this sucks. I don't want to weigh my food. I don't have time for it. You're not, you're never going to stick with that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if you can do it and it works for you and you love how that you're, you're getting like your physical, like traits from it are great and you're and that's so important to you that you're going to follow the diet 
then great. By all means, go for it. But if it's so fucking hard and you don't, and you, you can't have your cheat meal, right? Then it's not going to last and you'll fall off and come crashing off of it, right? You know, it's, it's just like trying to quit booze and then throwing in one drink and next thing you know, it's 15 drinks, right? So for me, like my biggest thing is just whatever diet works for that person. And, and it's based on lifestyle. And it's based on like how their body reacts to things. So my thing is I try to do little to no gluten during the week. And that includes like I try to stay away from any alcohol as well. Uh, and then on the weekend, I'll do like one or two cheat meals, like usually one epic one. And then another like smaller one, maybe on like a Sunday, like you have a croissant with coffee or, you know, but other than that, just... I still eat tons of rice and like other starchy carbs, like sweet potato, some white potato. But like, I just, for me, I find gluten just, even though I'm not intolerant to it, I just, I find it gives me, and same thing you're talking about coffee. It puts me in this like, this lull where my energy goes down. So if I stay away from it, I feel generally, I feel better. But other than that, man, I, I try to eat it. I eat a ton. Like I eat a lot. I just try to keep it, you know, as whole food as possible. Like, you know, try to stay away from as much shitty stuff as I can. And that's it, man. I try to keep it pretty simple. And for me, that just works for me. Like I, I generally feel pretty good. And lately I, I've been doing intermittent fasting for a pretty long time. This, this COVID crisis though has been an interesting thing because it's allowed me to, to dial it in even more. So right now I do my eating windows like between six and eight hours. Yeah. And then I fast the rest of the time. And honestly, like it works for me. I feel good. It's just hard to get up and not have that little, little snack in the morning. But once you push through that, you know, I think intermittent fasting can work for a lot of people because it's not that difficult. You know, interesting for me, it's the evening, the day, man, I don't need to eat during the day. I don't miss anything. Yeah. Like I can go all day. I can just be like, I'm looking forward to that meal. But for some reason you cut off the meal window at like seven. I'm like, Oh man, I want to, I want something else. That's, that's the time. It's like, I worked hard today. I want a reward. Why am I doing this again? It's like, I become like, soft my softness comes out at night like i'm lonely or something i'm trying to compensate being lonely for eating it's like it's it's weird right i yeah, think dude. a lot of us do that i do the same thing like I, I i push my window i try to push my window like i try to not eat until two yeah. maybe even three because then i'll get up have coffee fast try to work out like early afternoon and then i try to start at like three because then i know i can eat until like 10 yeah. and it's just for me that works Yeah. It's for me, here's what I struggle with, bro. Is like, I'm exactly, exactly what you said is that, and this is the problem with keto. A lot of people, they say keto, they think, oh, I'm eating keto. So it's healthy. It's only healthy. It's only good for weight loss when you're in ketosis. If you're eating carbs, you're not, you're just, all you're doing is adding calories because your body is going to use the carbs first. So if you're not in then eating a calorie-dense 250-gram cookie is only yeah. going to add the calories to you. So it's like, you. that's the thing. It's like, I've, oh man, I've gone through this keto thing so many times. I did have the most results when I was in Australia, when I was dialed in. So I had a taste of it. I saw it work. The clarity, everything was amazing. But when you get out of it and you're trying to get back into it and like you're, you're playing around where you're like, I miss carbs, but I'm in keto. And it's like, you need to be resilient and stay in that fucking keto zone or you need to switch over to eating less fat. Like, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but then you, you know, then you can go to the salads and the little, the sweet potato and the more sustainable meal. I think, you know, I used to, the paleo style eating, 
I think is very sustainable. I think it's easier to eat if you're active. Fuck, if you're running, getting up in the morning, you know, I'm doing the 75 hard Andy Frisella thing right now, right? So it's like two workouts, two movements. But like, unless you're the keto, I'm doing keto, but it's like, it's tough. It's, it's tough to get enough and monitor. I don't like to really monitor my macros, but like yeah. if I was to have a piece of good grass-fed beef, a plate full of, of salad, lots of veggies, and then some like sweet potatoes, man, that's a, that's a win. That's a, that's a meal that's easy and like there, you know, or even, you know, having dates in your smoothies after and like the, the paleo diet itself, I didn't mind at all. Yeah, I think it's right? good. I think it's, it's good. Like, you, you can lower the carbs a little bit for it. You don't need to have like the full like, right? But I think it's good too. I think what you're talking about though, if you eat like that, the way I look at it is it's always back to that 80-20 principle, right? Yeah. If you eat like what you just said 80% of the time yeah. and then you do have a couple cheat meals in there, right? And Or if you have a couple drinks, it's that's not, that's not going to like kill you, you know? It's, and in fact, it's going to help you because you, what happens to me right? I have that epic cheat meal and I'm talking like epic. Like I'll get like, I have this place near me in Brooklyn that I get this pizza from and it's, and they have this amazing burger. That's like a spin off of like their own spin off of a big Mac. So I'll eat that and the pizza and then I'll crush a pint of Ben and Jerry's like epic. Like I'm talking, I don't know how many calories that is, but probably like 2000 calories or something. Maybe more. Probably more, and man. Probably more. Probably more. Yeah, probably a lot more. But I don't care. I, I, I don't. I do it guilt-free. But then what happens inevitably is I wake up Sunday and I feel like shit. Like, I just have this, like, fucking feeling in my gut where I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to do that again. And so then you're good for the rest of the week. Like, you're literally good because you're like, all right, like, Sunday, maybe you work out, maybe you don't, right? Go, for, like, whatever. Just get outside. And then by Monday, you're like, all right, I feel good again. Like, let's get back on it, right? Let's get back on it. And I think what people don't have in their life, and this is why I think, this is one of the reasons I love CrossFit actually, is because there's no motivation. You show up, you see the same faces, you do the workout, you go home. Whereas if you're going to the gym sometimes or you don't have a training partner, it's very, diff- it's very easy to just like not motivate yourself or, or it. Like if you don't know, like if you don't have a program you're following, like, so you're following a program now. So that's super helpful because you have to do these things. So your, your brain's like, all right, I'm, I'm set. Like this is my week. So it looks, I'm excited for these workouts. and I'm going to go to the gym. But if you're just one of those people that just goes to the gym to go to the gym and you don't even know what you're going to do when you get there, that is like the worst thing. Like yeah. that, that's where you, things go off the rails, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, bro. I, I, I love talking about this stuff, you know, and it's an ever evolving thing. I've, you know, the carnivore, I've tried it. I, I, I've done it. It's fucking really, really good when you're, when you're dialed in. It's really mind boggling how good and strong I felt when yeah. I was in it. But here's the thing. It's super boring. And although yeah. I ate, look, I was eating ribeyes and eggs and I still, but I would still drink those Zevia drinks. So I haven't fully gone all carnivore i still have like some little bit of like sweetener drinks because i'm like fuck i need something but like just just on steak and eggs i'm telling you it was amazing it it, like i felt amazing but like by the second week i was like man this is boring this is yeah i know i I love steak so much that like i don't wanna i don't want to yeah, and, and like eating organ meat. Like I had Dr. Paul Saladino on the show. He's like huge carnivore, yeah, yeah. carnivore code. Like I had him 
way before he blew up, which is cool because I got to have him on last year this time. Yeah, he had no, just gone awesome. on Ben Greenfield's show and then he came on and it was just really interesting because what's cool about what he talked about is that sorry for vegans or vegetarians. This is, I'm not trying to condone any diet. You do what's best for you, but this is just my opinion is that he, you absorb animal products. You enjoy, you absorb the nutrients more than you do in a lot of the plants. And it started to make sense. It started to make sense that like, huh, okay. And I tried it and I did really feel good. And once it, but again, you got to allow it to kick in. You got to like Kyle Kingsbury says too, he's like, man, you got to take, it's going to take weeks. And do you want to go through that phase of feeling like shit and cranky one to kill everybody? And especially during this time, it's like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to sit and I'm going to have some sweet potatoes. Yeah. Like I'm going to have some salad. I like vegetables. What what got you? Because like I haven't done it and I've debated it, but it's more just annoying for me than anything. But what what got you on it? Was it like Rogan or Jordan Peterson or who? What was the? Well, it was I had heard. Okay, so I heard it on Rogan and I heard Sean Baker, but it was still super taboo. Like I'm not just going to eat ribeyes. It wasn't until Paul Saladino. Okay, Paul Saladino's like all around nose to tail philosophy made a lot more sense and the guy is like a walking fucking knowledge machine so i was like i was like this guy is like legit and i started to explore it more you know and like people like mark cision and people like rob wolf who's coming on the show at some point too and he they start talking about it too and i'm like wait a minute okay the conversation's changing there's some people people trying it and realizing that hey man maybe maybe plants don't sit with everybody's gut as well like I don't know, man, when I eat a bunch of broccoli, as much as I, I'm told it's great for me and I do feel good in one aspect, I do get like gut issues, man. Oh yeah, and, no, a lot of people do. And you get right? gas. Nah, yeah. Like- so it's like, and that all went away on carnivore. So I'm sitting here kind of feeling guilty because look, I don't like to eat and overload a bunch of meat, obviously. Right. Um, and like, I, I just feel <laughs> weird about it and eggs, like it just doesn't feel right. But like, I felt none of that. All that went away. And then I got curious as like, okay, I don't feel morally right about doing this, but my body is really singing right now. So it's kind of a, what the hell? It's a conundrum, isn't it? Because if everybody ate the carnivore diet, the world would be, we'd be pretty in a a pretty bad place. Yeah. Um, But then you hear like Jordan Peterson, like he was the one that I heard talk about where I was like, all like he has all these autoimmune issues and they just went away. And his daughter like suffered like so much from these autoimmune different autoimmune deficiencies and they just all cleared up and you're like how like there's definitely something there like yeah. maybe it's placebo i don't know but it's elimination diet right you're eliminating a lot of shit like there's a lot of things and i also think like combinations of things together maybe cause things and it's but from from what it's showing it's not the meat that's causing the problem right right especially if it's good quality meat yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, I don't want to go down to that rabbit hole too much because we got to wrap it up here. But I, that whole conversation about the nutrition is, is such an interesting thing. And I've said it before. It's like, you got to use your body as just be curious with it. Try things out. Right? Try things out for a while. You know, Aubrey talks about it too. He's like, you know, try it for a while. But if you don't try it for a certain amount of time, you're not going to really see it. Like, here's the facts. 
if you're going to quit carbohydrates and gluten overnight and sugar, like don't expect to feel good. <laughs> like you're like quitting drugs. You're going to feel like shit. So to get into keto in itself sucks if you don't have electrolytes. I think that's a big part of the flu too is like your lack of electrolytes because you're constantly draining out your, your salts and your waters. Right. Yeah. So like be expect that if you're making a change, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. I think that people try to do it overnight and like there's too many things they're trying to change at once and, yeah. and that never works. Like that's why diets suck. Like diets are just like usually just starting yourself with calories a lot of times. But like if you go all in on something, don't expect that shit to be – most people don't have the willpower, you know, because you have these little things that you crave and, and that you need and you can just like start to eliminate little things and then maybe you can work your way up to keto or something like it. But yeah. don't try to go all in on it all at once. And I've, I know I've seen these people who like weighed, you know, 400 pounds and they went on the keto diet and they dropped 200 pounds. But like you can also drop those 200 pounds doing a completely different diet. It doesn't have to be, you know, like, and that's the part that I see the most is people fail is that they say they're doing the diet, but they go home and they're like, yeah, snacking on stuff. They won't admit to, you know what I mean? And that's sustainability is what you need. Yeah, it shouldn't be a diet. It's like a, it's nutrition. Yeah. It's just a yeah. different shift in your mindset. It's not a yeah. diet. It shouldn't be a diet. Yeah. yeah, totally. Dude, where can everybody check you out? What do you got working on? What are you working on right now? What, uh, working uh, Dude, right now we're just um, on my Instagram, just Ian underscore Creighton, C R E I G H T O N. And um, yeah, my uh, our gym's called uh, Brick New York. It's at Brick New York, based in Manhattan. And if you're during quarantine right now and you need some, uh, motivation to work out come check out our workouts so if you go to our instagram just click on the link and it'll guide you right into the zoom and uh we do live live about workouts five times a day so oh. yeah man check us out there yeah man that's about it right now we're just uh kind of riding out this wave and hoping to get things back up and running again when the time when the time's right that's awesome man we'll have all that in the show notes i'm pretty sure tate fletcher mentioned your gym on his on our episode yeah so, so tate they they have a we used to have the caveman coffee as we had a caveman coffee bar in our gym so oh, we made yeah. like four proofs and we still have we still source all their stuff like we have their nitro cold brews which are like big sellers but yeah we were one of the first places i think they partnered with when they came to new york back in oh. the day so yeah he was telling me the story yeah he's i was like he, he said it and i was like oh shit i did i i couldn't I didn't have a chance to like comment on that but i was like i thought it was pretty cool yeah so for Takeaway for the audience, brother, out of all the adversity and struggles and things you've gone through, what's the one lesson that adversity has taught you? That's a good question. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that I think adversity just throws you off course and whatever you're, you shouldn't, I guess the biggest thing is that you shouldn't have expectations, right? And getting thrown off course is, is how you grow and how you learn. And at one point in my life, I tried to avoid that. And I think that's what most people do. They try to avoid adversity. But now I try to lean into it. And again, talking to people like you and you know other people in our kind of group and just kind of leaning into that, I think, is where the real growth comes from. And letting yourself feel the pain and appreciating the pain and working through it. And that's how I think you come out the other side of like a much better, more aware person, man. That's where, like, that's where the real growth and knowledge comes from. Love it, brother. Dude, thank you so much for coming on and hanging out. This is awesome. Good conversation. We talked about a lot of shit today. <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. Had a lot of fun, man. 
always yeah. good catching up with you, dude. So thanks. This, this is great. I'm I'm so glad because like you know sometimes we have these great conversations and we don't record it and it's like fuck it. This is like such a conversation that we would have had regardless, you know. If we were recording <laughs> this, it'd be the same combo anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, dude. Love it, brother. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We have all the information to check out Ian. And of course, if you guys got value, share this with a friend, leave us a review on Apple, tag us, whatever you can do, whatever is easier for you to share this. I really appreciate it. And hit that subscribe button on Apple. Stay on top of the episodes. Doesn't cost you anything. All you got to do is click on it and it helps a lot. So much love, guys. We will catch you next time.